You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you're with us here this morning. We know it's not the same as being in person. We can't wait to get back to that day. I also realised that the Prime Minister made a statement this week that has implications for churches. I shared a few reflections last week on how we would process any changes. I won't repeat that. I do recommend you listen to that if you haven't already. Honestly, I don't believe anything really has changed. Just because we could doesn't mean we should or that in reality we even can. We need to hold tightly and listen carefully to what the Father's saying to try and hear his, have, hear his voice. And in the meantime, we have much to do. Um, I'd increasingly, I'd, much of what I'd written that I planned to say today, I'd already planned prior to hearing that update. So I hope what I share today actually is helpful in the light of that. But it may be much broader for you as well, and that really is my intention. Steph and I used to live in the south of England, and um, before we gradually made our way up north. And whilst we were preparing to sell the house that we lived in at the time, I did that standard thing where I was getting everything boxed up and ready. I was sorting out the loft and sorting out the shed and all of that. And whilst I was sorting out the shed, I just realised I had so many things in there that we needed to get rid of. And one of them was a six foot sight tube for a fire engine. Do you, do you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever watched Fireman Sam, but the sight tube is, is like the glass tube on the back of the fire engine that tells you how much water is in the tank. Why on earth I had one of them is a long story that I won't go into. But here I am with a six foot piece of glass that we didn't need. And at six foot, it wasn't just going to fit into our bin. So I needed to break it down. So I did the standard thing. I put one part of it on the floor and I put my foot in the middle on the, on the tube. And um, I then gave it everything I've got, gave it some welly on the other end with two hands to try and snap it in half. And it started to flex a little bit as I gave it some welly. And then it happened. I got the crack and the most almighty bang as it snapped. And at that exact moment that it snapped, Steph came into the doorway of the shed to see what I was doing at half 10 at night working by torchlight in the shed. And as she stood in the doorway, shards of glass fired off predominantly in her direction, spraying her from the tip of her toes to the top of her head, glass shards firing straight through her jeans and hanging out of her legs and covering her face. The most obvious one being this huge piece of glass that was hanging out of her lip. Steph was in a state of shock, having no prior warning of what was about to happen. And she ran into the house in a high degree of pain with large fragments of glass hanging out of her and blood dripping everywhere. And I had just a few moments to think, what on earth have I just done? Why on earth did I do that? Now, for those of you that like to know the ending, it, it was bad, but we got the glass out, there was a number of stitches and it all ends well. Thankfully, Steph is particularly gracious and all ends well that, um, all it, no, all is well that ends well is what I mean to say. But let's let's just ponder just for a moment my decision making. 
what seemed like a good idea was never a good idea. And today I want to talk about decision-making. We're in a decision-making season. The series I've been doing is called The People We Are and the Movement We're Part Of. Decision-making has a huge impact on us. The decisions we make will affect each other. The decisions you make will affect you, your friends, your family, your future often, and so, so much more, so much further, and so much wider. We want to make decisions through the lens of the kingdom, and we want to make wise God-honoring decisions. So how do we do that? How do we filter our thinking? I can see some of the complications at the minute, you know, depending on the lens through which you see life. Depends how you make the decisions and at times those decisions you make will bump into other people and, and so on. So what, what, what do you mean you, you're doing that? You, you can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. Oh yeah, of course I'm doing that. Why are you not doing that? It's those kind of things that I think are really prevalent at the moment. So let's have a quick look at Acts in Acts chapter 8. I want to read verse 26 to 40, and we're going to try and glean all that we can as we reflect on decision making. So let me just read that to us. Acts 8, and starting in verse 26, it says this, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch with great authority, under the name I'll never be able to mention, the Queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch has gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. And the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there is some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of another place I'll never mention. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. I love this story. Flexibility really is the name of the game. For those of you that have joined us today for the first time, I have to warn you, I spend far too much time trying to make a few simple points start with the same letter, and today is no different. Just going to share a quick couple of reflections in the light of decision-making that start with S. So the first one is this, seeing. We make decisions through the lens of seeing 
our responsibilities. Seeing our responsibilities. Verse 25 that I just read says this, After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. That was just the verse before the passage I read. Philip was already doing what he knew to do. He was faithful, he was committed, he wasn't just lurching from one thing to another thing. He had a mandate and he was on a mission to achieve it. When it comes to our decision making, old orders are good orders until we get new orders. Just because something is hard or is a challenge or we have to dig deep doesn't mean it's wrong or that we should just jump ship. We make the decision based in the light of what we already knew. What is reflected through the Bible? What is our guiding principle? What is the, how do we hold to the truth of Jesus? What is the thing that's going to extend the kingdom? We hold on to all of that. You know, if I said to you guys, oh guys, I'm, I'm, we're, we're thinking of moving to Australia. You know, we need some sun. We know some people out there. Everyone would be like, why on earth would you do that? Where's that come from? That's not in line with everything that you've previously spoken about. I'm not saying things can't change or that we can't respond to fresh leading or directing, but that we commit to the Lord and all that he's called us to in season or out of season, whether we have the rub of the green or we don't. We see our responsibility and we don't take it lightly. You know, with this whole pandemic, as a, as a church, we haven't lurched in a new direction. We're doing new things in a creative way. But our heart was always to serve the city. And the way and the methods through which we do that have only increased. When it comes to decision making, do you know your responsibilities? Because that's a key filter. What are the non-negotiables in your life? The second S is surrendering your rights. We make decisions through surrendering our rights. Verse 26 says this, so the passage I read, goes south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the authority of the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Philip didn't demand his way. He remained flexible. He left a revival, you could say in many ways, to go to a desert. This is kind of crucial. You know, when we follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. That means following him rather than following ourselves. I'm not trying to patronize you. I just want to stress that. I've decided to follow Jesus. That means no turning back on that decision. For Philip, that's got him on the route to the desert. That's the path that he's going. It might not always be the fun route. It might not always be the exciting route, the best career route, the most popular route, the most financially viable route, or the most sustainable route. In fact, it often isn't any of them because it normally comes with faith, with sacrifice, with challenge. Sometimes we may feel like we've been led towards or surrounded by the desert. That's what's about to happen to Philip, but we surrender our rights. We lay down our lives to take up his rights and his life. Colossians 3 kind of puts it this way. It says, since you've now been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. We want to be people that set our sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, it says, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden 
with Christ in God. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. We are not our own. We are his for his glory, for his purposes, for his bidding to do the extending of his kingdom. When we understand that, kind of changes things. I mean, that's a massive understatement, but it really does. What decision am I making? Well, actually, it's not really my decision to make, it's his. So what would he like me to do? And I'd do best to join him in what he's doing rather than trying to convince him about my idea. In my decision making, in our decision making, we give up our rights to take up his. Decision making is seeing your responsibilities, surrendering your rights. The third one is sensing revelation. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? If we're surrendering our rights, we'd do well to try and understand the direction and the leading and the leaning of the one that we've surrendered them to. So what is the Father saying? I know I say that a lot, but it's so crucial. I felt pretty relaxed throughout this whole pandemic because I want to know what the Father's saying. It's not passed him by. So rather than feel, try and feel consumed or worried or anxious about elements of it, I just want to try and seek greater revelation for what the Father is saying and doing in it. Because what we need to do and try and do with any and every decision we make is realize that 1 Corinthians 9.13 says this, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. We have the Bible, which is direct revelation from God. We can read it, know it, understand it. Two, Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God-breathed. So all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do and how to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. But for the part we know, the part we hear and the part we see, surely we'd want that part to be as much as it can be. So we've got to chase after that with everything within us. I, I want to know. What, what do I think the Lord is saying? I want to learn to be as sensitive as I can be to that. We have, we know, and we experience God. We're his sheep and we can know and learn to hear his voice. Then on top of that, we're a body. So we get to do this together. We learn together. I don't just hear, you hear. So what are you thinking, hearing, seeing? Let's work this out together. So I hear, you hear, and then some of you press in and lean in as much as you can to hear the whispers even more. Some of you have gifts in discernment and the prophetic. So, hey, what are you thinking and hearing and sensing? Then we're supposed to surround ourselves with people in the environment that we might find in places like small groups. So when we make decisions, we don't throw all of that out the window. We grab hold of all of that and we hold it as tightly and as closely as we can. Steph and I have often um, sought to filter decisions asking ourselves three things. What do we believe the Lord is saying? What resonates in our hearts? Because we can hear him and we can learn to hear him. Secondly, what is the prophetic voice? 
Do the people who don't know our situation, how are they speaking into it? What are they sensing and seeing that the Lord might be saying and his leading? And then thirdly, what about those around us? Those in small group, those in the church, those who lead us. It's really important to ask our leaders, those that oversee us. What do they see and what do they believe? So what's your filter for seeking to try and sense revelation? What is the Father saying? We want to be people that do and press into that for our decision making. We don't just make blind decisions, we make them through those filters. Surely we would want that to be front and centre for all that we do and all that we become. So decision making is seeing your responsibilities, surrendering your rights, sensing revelation, and then the fourth one, sharing relationship. Verse 31, the man replied, how can I? unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Philip approached the need from a relational perspective rather than a results perspective. That is so crucial. We've always said it, it's not policy and process. All of that comes secondary to people. We are, and we wanna be, don't we? A relationally driven people, putting our hearts in each other's hands, but that is costly. It can be painful, it can be, mean that there's a misunderstanding at times, a need for short accounts and seeking forgiveness, but it is the way of the kingdom. As I mentioned just last week when I spoke on vulnerability, vulnerability is so key for us forming and bonding together as a family and an army. Therefore, when we make decisions, we make them with relationship in mind. How does this affect you? How will this love you? How will this serve you? How will this honour you? How will this develop you? How will this invest in you? How will this draw out the gold in you? That's how we filter decisions, thinking some of those things. Now, don't get me wrong, sometimes the right thing to say is the hard thing, but we still say it in, in the best way we can. And that does really matter. Let me give you an example that just encompasses a few of these points I've shared about decision-making. At the, at the start of the year, as many of you know, I was really ill, quite significantly with a respiratory infection. I went to a place health-wise that I hope never to go again. Now, funnily enough, we, we find ourselves in a global pandemic that is caused and happening as a result of a respiratory infection. Now we've sought to be wise. We don't want to live in fear. We want to live in freedom, but we need to be wise. We want to live with wisdom rather than worry. So when the, the talk and the conversations around schools reopening emerged, we had a few decisions to make and the school had told us a number of things. They told us that they wouldn't be teaching the curriculum. The children would be with different teachers and split up from their usual friends, that they would be in a bubble of a much smaller group, that they would be indoors but with the windows and doors left open to allow the air to circulate, that they couldn't bring anything to school other than the clothes that they were wearing, and they would be asked as far as possible to continually sit and face the front sitting on their own, that on coming home they would immediately need to shower and wash all of their clothes. Now, how does all of that sound? for fun for, for children. You know, it, it presents challenges. And we, we love our children. And actually, we love them being at home. One of the greatest joys of the lockdown just this last week was I spent some time 
with with Sophie at our church food bank, just seeing her come alive serving and having opportunities to do so, why on earth would we send her back to school when we don't actually need to at this point? Anyway, the school gave us 24 hours to make the decision. What decision would we make and how would we make it? Well, let me firstly say this, we would never judge any of you. If you're in this position, I'm not judging you, it is a hard decision. For some of you, actually, this is not a hard decision, but for some of you, it really is. And regardless of the school decision, I'm seeing a number of you at the minute just to almost tormented by some of the decisions that you're having to make and seeing others make very different ones to you. And that comes as a burden and a pressure and you feel a, a level of tension with that. Let me say, I think this is a time of a, a need for it, extra portions of grace and kindness to each other but I, I I just want to share how we thought about and what we thought about in the context of making decisions so I share that story with this in mind we moved to this city to love people and serve people in many ways this is such a hard time for so many we've sought to reach into the lives of other parents at the school to the teachers that are facing burdens and pressures and at time actually quite a lot of criticism now we have an opportunity to even at a distance look them in the eye, to speak hope and encouragement, to relevantly and practically show them the gospel, to send Sophie into the school to carry the light and the life of Jesus to her friends and the teachers that lead her. You know, the decisions we make are ones through the filter that seek to find the maximum impact for the spread of the gospel. We share relationship. We make decisions based on relationship. Decisions that seek to spread the gospel, not fear. Because we would be placing ourselves in an opportunity to mix with people who need the light and the life of Jesus. You know, when she stood at the school gate and the, the teacher comes up to her all gowned up and the big visor thing down and is taking her temperature. I, I, I was so bizarre. I could see the troubled look in her eye. But we remember why we make the decisions that we make. Because we want to stand there and speak life and truth and hope into others in similar situations and positions, but we carry Jesus. Now, listen, the, the decision we made is, is almost irrelevant to you. That's not the take-home. The take-home is the process through which we make the decisions that we want to share and show relationship and we want to seek ways for the gospel to spread. Decision-making, seeing your responsibilities, surrendering your rights, sensing revelation, sharing relationship. The next one, showing relevance. Verse 35, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip shared with where the, the, the eunuch was at. And he connected with him in that point and at that moment. We intend to continually adapt to embrace change, to ensure we don't stagnate. You know, the church is not an organisation, but an organism. And we place high value on being the church rather than going to it. We are the church collectively together. Sometimes I think we can make things more complicated than they need to be. We just start with where somebody's at. And we meet people in that place. That's what Philip did. You know, with one of our neighbours a year ago, all I could really talk with them about was, was football, which actually was no hardship. 
But we hoped and prayed that it'd be more than that, but that was what was relevant to them. Now, it's way more than that. As a result of this pandemic, it's thrown wide open the door to a conversation about life and its meaning. How are we relevant? You know, often I ask the question, if this church wasn't here, would this city notice? Do you know what? I hope so. And actually, I think and I see that ripples, particularly in this time, have done nothing but increase. But what if you brought a question like that closer to home? What if you asked yourself that question of your workplace or your street? If you no longer lived on the street that you're on, would anybody notice? How are we relevant? How are we bringing the truth and the gospel of Jesus in a relevant way? I don't, I don't say that to cause you to feel flat or like you're failing. I say that to stir you for what could be, because we filter our decisions through the relevance that they will have to others. I'm not saying that we bend or we water down the truth or that we compromise the truth, but that we wisely filter our decisions through the relevance that they will have to others. Decision-making, seeing your responsibilities, surrendering your rights, sensing revelation, sharing relationship, showing relevance, and the final one, securing your response. Verse 35, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they went, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? I just wonder what the father has been stirring over the last few years. You know, what is the father doing? There was the economic and financial crash. There's the, the political tension of Brexit, there was the Me Too conversation, there's the Black Lives Matter conversation. We find ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic. I mean, I think we could go on and list many, many more things. We cried out to God for a move of God in our time, in our day, in our lifetime. You know, I don't want to say some of what we've been through and going through is like the 10 plagues, but wouldn't you say we have a moment to cry out to God and to listen to his voice. Wouldn't you say that we could be poised and ready to respond? Philip didn't just stir the guy's heart. He led him to respond to the truth and the teaching of Jesus. How challenging. Do we filter our decisions and our decision-making through that funnel? Am I creating? Am I stirring? Am I inspiring? Am I impacting? Am I affecting the maximum potential impact for the gospel? Do I leave people with an opportunity to respond? How does that change the decisions that I make and the way that I make them and the way that I live out the decisions that I make? I think it changes a lot if we allow it, even the little things. You know, I try and shop at the same checkout in the supermarket because I want to get to know them, that one day I might have an opportunity to share Jesus that they might come to a decision about knowing him. Let me, let me just finish with this, this kind of classic. I was out on my bike recently with Sophie and uh, we, did, we did the standard thing. It's about six in the evening. She's scouring the area for the, for the ice cream, cream van. She's got her ear to the ground listening for that sound. And then very quickly we hear it and she sees him. All is well in the world. And uh, we, we found him within about five minutes of setting off. We then go on to cycle for another hour or so. She's tired. We kind of peaked too soon because we saw him within the first five minutes of setting off. I've got no motivation now to keep her going. And we, we turn the corner 
And there is the ice cream van man again. Nice. You know, like her eyes lit up and, Daddy, what about just this once? Just this once we have two. And I'm like, well, you kind of said that last night. But, ah, oh, but Daddy, well, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Daddy, 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 what if this time was the time that we got to share Jesus with the ice cream man? And I'm like, you know, she's seven. It's not just a hat stand. Genius, I'll tell you. Anyway, it's funny how her saying that focused my mind and actually probably slightly for the wrong reason focused her mind. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Philippians 1.17. I did in the context of her saying that. It says this, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely in intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and will continue to rejoice. I let her have the ice cream. Of course I did. And we both sought to tell him about Jesus, even if her motives were a bit slanted. But it's important that we have a focus on sharing Jesus in our decision-making. So decision-making is seeing your responsibilities, surrendering your rights, sensing revelation, sharing relationship, showing rele relevance, and securing your ice cream. No, I don't mean that. I mean securing a response. Ultimately, don't you long, don't you hope that this season we're in and some of the decisions that we're currently making helps further the spread of the gospel and see more people come to know our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Don't we believe that? Don't we long for that? And don't we pray for that? I hope this morning was, was helpful to you. Why don't, why don't we just pray together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.